As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. She knows how to um, spool a yarn. Is that what is that the saying? She knows how to. That Dolly Parton really knows how to to spool a yarn, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Welcome to Like a Virgin, the show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I'm Rose Domu. And I'm Fran Torado. Uh, Fran, what would you, if you had to guess, what do you think would be the most fuckable pasta? <laughs> I thought, I mean, my first thought is like, um, you know, a, a fusilli, like a kind of like a, a dense, chewy noodle, but it's PC, so it's easy to, you know, fuck. <laughs> okay, so that's a little more specific than than the question was intended to be because um virgins if you're unaware um a a, a porn creator um by the name of I actually don't know what their name is um, as if as if it matters as if it matters um unleashed a video onto the world in which he um fucked fleshlights full of several different kinds of pasta each fleshlight with a different with a different kind of pasta and we're not talking about like types of noodles i think that's where you're you're getting very specific into that we're not talking about like he he fucked like bucatini versus angel hair that's like he was fucking he was fucking pasta dishes so he it was like lasagna lasagna macaroni and cheese um like bolognese and um, so I did not subscribe to his, I did not buy the video so I could find out which was the most fuckable pasta, but I have watched the teaser clip that he released several times. And your review? Um, I mean, it's weird. He seems like a weirdo. Um, no surprise there. I think you kind of have to be, but I also kind of love him for this. And if I had to, if I had to guess i would say lasagna would be the most fuckable pasta there's something about it being like a sort of pasta casserole that lends itself to a certain softness 
I that 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 sounds wretched. I I I really there are a lot of foods that I would fuck, but pasta is just not one of them. And I don't know if it's because it's like cheesy, or if it's because it's like kind of like PC and like kind of like it's got this like chewy soggy texture that like actually sends a shiver down my spine like there are just so many foods that I would fuck before I would fuck pasta would you are there other foods that you would fuck no I wouldn't fuck any food Uh, (laughs) I would fuck like a pie (laughs) okay Jason Biggs Um, or maybe or maybe like a cake like a birthday cake because I don't really oh I would fuck a cake I would would definitely fuck a cake like a buttercream but like as a joke not not you know as a joke for for any sort of sexual pleasure I would do it for the TikTok yeah the thing about the video that did um disgust me for a second until I realized what the purpose of it was was that he was wearing a condom and I was like it's 2023 you grow up but then I thought about it and it's food and I don't really think you want like tomato sauce going up your urethra no, you don't want you don't want nightshades on your dick, mama. You don't, you don't want some that acidic quality, okay? That's like too many tomatoes. No, no, no. Um yeah, I I I don't understand how the internet gets to these places. Honestly, it I it makes me think of the guy that had like, you know, 42 loads in one day or whatever. Do you remember that guy that how many loads did yes, he take I, in one I day? Yes, I know ex- I know exactly who you're talking about. For the virgins, if you're not aware, sometime last year there was a guy who decided to take 42 loads. He actually lives like 3 blocks away from me because I see him on grinder all the time. Um but like I think a lot about this episode of Nympho Wars where Theta talks about the um the uh, experience poisoning effect of discourse and how it's so much like this like subsect of kink and fetish culture and how kink and just like porn porn acting in general has become like not like the what is the maximum amount of pleasure I can get and more like a what is the most what is the craziest experience that I can like put my body through for shock value because like shock is like actually the pleasure like being polarizing is the pleasure like it's so it's about about. it's about creating a meme i mean this guy has fucked different types of fast of like delivery pizzas before like he's fucked papa john's versus domino's versus no no and let me tell you i am not sticking my dick in papa john's I love Papa John's actually. Um, I think Papa John's is he's great. Prob- Papa John is problematic. Yeah, because he's a Trump supporter, right? Mm-hmm. It's Papa John. He loves the wall. <laughs> Papa uh, John wants to build it. Um, so um, you haven't been fucking any pizza or pasta no, lately. What have no. you been up to? What What have I been fucking? I did actually have sex this weekend. Me but too. Oh, Me too. I, I had I sex. I had sex with two different people this weekend. I was. Are we- a, I'm in my slut era right now. Are we going to talk about it on the on the pod, or are we going to just tease the virgins and then we're not, just not. no? Uh, we can Phoebe, cut it. Phoebe says no. T- Phoebe says yes. We have to talk about it. Uh, Should we I hint mean, about I, it? I mean, all the, the this is all I'm going to say. Okay. I'm in my slut era right now okay. because as as I might have said, I'm like trying to like date and fuck at the same time and have them both be fulfilling because mm. if I'm having fulfilling sex, then that like takes the pressure off of dating. And if mm. I'm having fulfilling dates that then that takes the pressure off of like trying to find intimacy through sex. So mm. I think like doing those One two things. Yeah. I'm like getting different. I'm getting the different 
I'm getting different needs met from different places. Okay, wait, maybe you're actually describing something that I was searching for this past weekend because I was in pursuit of dates with an individual who will not be named. Um, And long story short, I was crushing very hard on someone um, for the better part of like a week and was in pursuit of these dates and felt like I was putting forth all this effort and not getting any reciprocity at all, despite the fact that we had an amazing first date. And I was realizing that part of my frustration was through the fact that like I wanted to fuck. And so I scheduled a date with someone else who I had been sexting for a while or just been flirting with for a while. And like, we had all this punt of energy and like, they do, they did already want to see me and I wanted to see them and, um, spent like all of Saturday, just like getting stoned and watching drag race and kind of like dicking around. It was like literally dicking around, literally dicking around. It was phenomenal. And also just like, I just like, like, I need hours of, like, love session, like, love bombing and, like, intimacy and, like, warmth. And I think that, like, the next okay, week is then, we like, are catapulted. Women. But don't but don't you find that when you get this kind of, even if it's not, like, love bombing or, like, cuddling or anything, when you get, like, a really satisfying sexual experience, it, like, catapults your next week. Like, it's, like, I feel like I have so much more momentum and, like... Um, serotonin and like things in my system that just like make me ready to conquer the week. Sure, I I I do feel recharged in a certain way after having yeah. a lot of sex this weekend, and also I'm like, like Popeye the thing, with spinach. Yeah, and also the thing you were talking about about like um like alleviating the nerves from someone like you're very into by having mm-hmm. sex with someone that you like. You already f- know is into you already you. yeah like that's kind of how I feel about um when I I had plans with someone to hook up this weekend and like an hour and a half before they came over, I jerked off <gasps> and that made sin. the no, it made the sex so much better because I was like, not so like, Oh, I've got to get my nut. Like right now I was <laughs> oh, just like, I was very chill. Um, You're making me realize right now that, I don't have a lip color on. You have an amazing lip color on right I now. I don't. I just have. I just that have is n- I, all I have on is lip balm. That is not your natural lip color. Yeah, it is. Look at my lips next to yours. I look like a, I look like a a corpse. Wow, you look so lush. Thank Ugh. you. Wow. Thank you. So, it's because I. You know what? I'm so fresh faced because I wasn't in the trenches trying to get Beyonce tickets this weekend. Ah, uh, girl. Okay. I've like I've been waitlisted, even though I had three different kinds of pre-registration, and I am worried. Virgins, if you have a Beyonce hookup, if you want to add me to your purchasing bundle, if you want to get into the pit with me, if if anybody wants to help me find a Beyonce hookup. I need Beyonce tickets. This is not Beyonce. A if joke. you're listening, we would love to go to your shows. Uh, you wouldn't go. You don't go to con- you no. Can't I do would auditorium. go. You would. You don't even do auditorium shows that much. I right? mean, I listen lately with all of the ticket buying drama. I'm feeling yeah. very good as a person <laughs> who does not care about going to concerts. Mm-hmm. But if someone handed me Beyonce tickets, obviously I'm going. I don't. I've ex- n- I've never seen her live before. I mean, and when I say handed me tickets, like if someone said, "Here are Beyonce yeah. tickets you can buy," well, I was going to say I was without like without having to deal with like 
a whole like rigmarole. Like just yeah, so course. the virgins know, I'll pay big money. I will. Oh, yeah. I will actually do some unspeakable things to you. Oh, I'll do me. hand and mouth. I'll do hand and mouth stuff. I'll do. Hand. I'll do feet. I'll do feet stuff too. I will absolutely do feet stuff. I will. Absolutely I'll maybe do some piss. I will sell you my underwear. I will sell you my socks. I will. I will actually do so much. I mean, not I draw the you, line. I, at, I draw the line at Scott, but. Right. I don't. Uh, negotiable. <laughs> negotiable. Um, it's actually so fucked. Like, I'm actually honestly, like, kind of worried that I won't get Beyonce tickets because I kind of got really lucky with Adele and I got really lucky with Chromatica. And so I feel like, is this the one, the most important concert out of any concert I would see, the one that I'm not going to get? Like, I'll be devastated. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Oh, girl. You, did you watch the Grammys yesterday? I did not. I The Grammys are, I think, have the biggest flop energy of any award show. They always take way too long. The wins and losses are very inconsistent. And it's just, like, kind of excruciating to watch. So, at most, I'll usually watch the performances the next day on YouTube. Mm. Um, you know, obviously I was on Twitter last night, so I was somewhat aware of what was going on. I know Beyonce didn't win album of the year. I know that we want that twink obliterated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the only thing worth discussing. I watched the Grammys because our friend Zach Stafford asked me to watch um, over with Sam Sanders. So I felt like I was getting like a preliminary episode of vibe check, which was kind of funny, but yeah, definitely huge flop energy. It's on Golden Globes level of like floppery because they're, I think just the recording academy is like so busted and they still don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, watching Harry accept this award, did you see the video at all? No, I okay. completely avoided it. I know that he said something about how people like him don't win awards like yes! this, which is. Like, yes. uh, yeah, Phoebe just exclaimed, um, yeah, that's absolutely insane because um, 
straight white twinks have been winning awards uh, since the dawn of time. I would like to I would like to bestow my assessment of what I saw on screen that is like fully just like me thinking about what was happening. But like I think what's whack is that like out of these album of the year like artists like the academy is so much more likely to throw it to like ABBA or maybe even Coldplay or like or honestly just Adele again. Like I had prepared myself for the grief of Beyonce losing to someone that the Academy just like would award. But the fact that it's Harry for everyone involved is like so embarrassing. And it's when embarrass- that album was boring as fuck. Yes. That album it's is elevator mid, music. It is a mid ass album with like two songs, two good songs, maybe three. Like it is so forgettable and so not the work of his career and so not worth awarding beyond like a track. And uh, and I think that Harry knew immediately because when you see him getting awarded, it's just like he goes like white in the face. Like you can tell that not only was he not expecting it, but he had not prepared a speech at all. And by the time he had gotten up on stage, you can see he is realizing in real time that he's the most hated man in America. And that yeah. and, he, and he is realizing in he real He will be time, dealt with. Yes, he's realizing in real time the optics and implications of his win over someone like Beyonce, let alone all of the other artists in this category. But his Beyonce first, most of all, let's be but real. But Beyonce most of all, it is about Beyonce. And let me tell you, the first... What, he gets up there, he's white in the face. He's like dead scared for his life. And the first thing he says is, he goes, he goes... Well, you know, as recording artists, like, nobody's really the best, right? Like, (laughs) he's like, you know, we don't, this is so so silly. We don't really call each other the best. Like, there's no hierarchy, right, guys? Like, zero self-awareness. He stumbles over his words. He realizes, he's realizing, like, how bad this is. And then, from his mouth, he sputters. Things like this don't happen to people like me and then he just like runs away like he just like disappears behind the crowd he's like been cut off the mic like it's crazy it is the craziest possible thing for him to have said and i'm sure the second he got off stage his manager was like what the fuck did you just do i also i also heard his performance was bad terrible he was asleep at the wheel it hit the first the first like 20 seconds of him singing i actually thought that something was wrong that that something really bad had happened or like something had malfunctioned right before curtain because the first like 15 to 20 seconds there's it feels like there's something wrong you anybody anybody who watched like i would love to know if i was the only one vibing on that but i'm like scared for harry like the bayhab is gonna like destroy him and I oh no harry's house is about to be Harry's disaster zone. <laughs> it's crumbled. Like, Beyonce is about to huff and puff and blow that all down. I mean, she's not going to do it because she's so above it. Although I'm yeah. sure, like, the fact that this has happened to her so many times, like, I'm sure it does, like, fucking wear on her. But she should just never go to the Grammys again. Like, it's fucked. It, it really is. And, and for her to be there, it's like, she doesn't give a fuck, but it's insulting. It is, it at is. this point... Four times over, insulting for her to lose to some schlep. I don't think losing to Adele was, like, schleppy, but the other three that she lost to, which were Beck, 
Taylor Swift. Taylor for Swift. Fe- for Fearless. But that was for I Am Sasha Fierce, so, like, whatever. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. I but, do think Fearless is a better album than I Am Sasha Fierce. But I was talking to Zach and Sam about this after, and, like, something that we were talking about was just, like, how... I'm, like, I actually like Harry. Like, charming young man, a great style. I think he ha- he's, like, on the road to, like, make better music, but he's just not making the best work of his career right now. I don't think he has even come close to the level that he should be at, considering how celebritized he is. Like, I'm much more in- interested in, like, the celebrity of Harry Styles, just, but I don't, I think his music is average as fuck, and that's why it's so annoying. And so I think that this is a moment that is crystallizing a lot of the problems of Harry and like what we award. And when he says things like this don't happen to people like me, it's like, no, actually, like, yeah, you're like a white, cis, attractive, like, celebrity who has like risen to pop stardom. Like, this happens to thousands, like, so many people like you. Um, and um, the worst part is he did it, like, while wearing queer, trans, gender non-conforming aesthetic and used that aesthetic to get to the place that he's at and would not be at the place that he's at without that aesthetic. And yet Beyonce is, like, taking all of these collaborators and people to make something like Renaissance where they are her lateral collaborators and that could have been awarded instead. Like, something that is so much more in good conscience a, a kind of a willing part of like queer and trans like culture and community and yet gets totally overlooked for something that is so so watered down and so mayonnaise but you know what at least unholy one one Girl. of truly truly listen I'm very happy for I'm so happy Kim. for Kim I'm happy for Kim it was so sweet when she shouted out Sophie but yeah. Unholy is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Yeah, it, it really, it really is. I mean, that song is like, like I do, okay, here's the real problem that we're not saying. We do not need to hear Sam Smith saying the words, I be popping it in like the year of our Lord 2023. Like it just smells rotten and I think that Sam Smith's new aesthetic I know there's like a lot of chatter about like the 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 new Sam Smith I think Sam Smith's new aesthetic lovely love the crystals love the thongs the corsets like I think it's amazing and I think that this is a much more interesting era of Sam's music than Sam Smith's previous I just don't need to see another tweet that's like if a skinny white gay wore this y'all would be blah 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 oh no shut up I uh, like stop like it's the most base level discourse. I just but just also shut like, up. if a skinny white twink was wearing this, I would hate it a lot more. Like I, I really would hate it more. Like what Sam is wearing is still kind of generic. Like this all red like entourage photo moment that they had. It feels like a watered down version of things we've seen before from like Valentino or from like certain music videos. I mean, it's or, literally like, from... just the bad romance video, and it's yes, been it, it's bad 10 romance years since that. it's been over ten years since that. Oh my fucking god, bros. It's fucking bad romance. I didn't even fucking think about All that. All these bitches is her sons. That's the thing. And Unholy All is All these another, bitches are like, her little monsters. Also, I hate Unholy, but How Do You Sleep went n- n- triple platinum in my home. <laughs> Speaking of annoying gays, um, I saw Knock at the Cabin yesterday. And it was um, bad, right? It was bad. It was oh, it- boring. I thought maybe you would want to defend some of it. No, No, it was was bad. bad. It was 
Here's the thing about M. Night Shyamalan. You know, like, you always go into his movies expecting some kind of twist. And the thing about Knock at the Cabin is that there's no twist. And you get the sense that, like, that's the twist, is that there's no twist. And I hated it. It was so boring. I also went and read the Wikipedia summary of the book that it's based on afterwards. And the... It's very different, and the plot of the book sounded so much more interesting. Um, you know, good performances. I thought Dave Bautista was really great. The young child actor who plays the gay couple's daughter was very good. Um, the gay guy in the movie who's not Jonathan Groff was hot. Jonathan Groff was Jonathan Groffing all over the place. He even sang, which I'm sure Wait, was like in his contract. Because there's a scene where they're like singing along to a song in the car. It was just boring, and um, I, like, could just not have watched it. So, wait. So, spoiler alert for the virgins. At the end, does the, does the world end? No, but it turns out that what they were saying that... So, the whole plot of the movie is that yeah, um, these intruders come to this cabin and tell this family, the world is going to end unless you decide to sacrifice one of the members of your family. And then they tell them that each of the four people who have come there, like, will ask them repeatedly if they're going to save the world. And when they say no, that person kills themselves. And then the other, like, people also kill them. And as each person dies, a plague is unleashed onto humanity. And, um, like, they show them the TV to show that it's actually happening. They're like, no, this can't be real. Like, this is a hoax, whatever. Um, but at the end of the movie, they're, like, convinced that it's actually happening. And so they do pick one of them to die. And then at the end of the movie, it's just like the apocalypse has been averted. And, like, all these crazy catastrophes happened, but they're over now. And it ends what? up being just, yeah, it's it's so bad. Do they sacrifice a, a child? No, they sacrifice Jonathan Groff. Uh, they would. But from the synopsis in the book, what happens in the book is that the child is killed by accident, but it doesn't count. <gasps> so they still have to kill one of them, and then they ultimately decide not to and to like just let the world end. I also think in the book that they. It, it never becomes clear to them if this is actually happening because they're in such a remote location. So I don't know. I just would have preferred that version of the movie or I would have preferred something that was more ambiguous about whether or not any of this was real. So it just, it was very like literal. It was very like, much like holding the audience's hand all through it. So is Rupert Grant in this one? That. He is. He's not in much of it, but he was Ugh. good. I w- he honestly... Rupert Grant alone would get me to watch The Servant. Or yeah, whatever. would suck also. Who <laughs> would suck? One other thing I just wanted to mention briefly is I finally saw the Terry Mugler exhibit at the Brooklyn Museum on Friday. Uh, I want to go. Mom was, my mom was in town and I took her to it and it is so cool and beautiful. It's amazing to see those clothes up close. Definitely if you're in New York, go. I believe it's open through May maybe. Um, although I will say Brooklyn Museum, the exhibit does not have like a, an ending that you walk out of. It just kind of like, you have to like loop back around and go back through it. It's just like not 
It's confusing. Laid. It's not laid out in an, in a, a dynamic way. So this I, is such a friendly. This is such a friendly Winston way. It's like why did you, I, I'm walking here? Like, it should be like an amusement park ride. Like there should be yeah. an exit. You know, you there should, should be leave, an exit. Exit through the gift shop. Um, right. I think museums are maybe intentionally like labyrinthine to get you lost in them. Yeah, but I don't think you should like go to the end of the exhibit and then it's just like. There's nothing that's like, okay, this is all there is. You just are like, oh, I guess I have to go back through half of the exhibit and then just like walk out a random side door. Yeah. That was dumb. That was dumb. But great gowns, beautiful gowns. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I can't wait to go. I'm definitely going. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Rose, I am honestly nervous for today's episode. Like, I feel like a lot of, I have, I feel like a lot of pressure because today we're trying to cover, you know, like a patron saint of, of culture. Like she is like just an idol among us. Um, Dolly Parton, like, could there be a better celebrity? Like she is the one to me. She is, she is the one. She is the diva doll herself. She is mother. She's a mother of time. Mother she's, of music. She's everything. She is. She contains multitudes. So many. And I we're and not even saying boobs. that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Rose, do you do you have like do you know what your first memory of Dolly Parton was? Um, I don't know about first memories, but I, I can definitely say that Dolly was not a huge a formative musical icon for me. I was always aware of her like in the background of my cultural experience but it it really wasn't until probably my mm, mid to late 20s that I really started actively searching out Dolly to listen mm-hmm. to her music and um I didn't really do like uh, any sort of deep investigation into you know the woman the myth the legend until 
I had to interview her a couple years ago. So I right. I came very late to the Dolly game. So, I mean, you know, I think for this episode, I'm probably the virgin, even though, like, at this point now, I do have a much deeper understanding of Dolly Parton and her work and her impact, but, you know, not, I think, sort of the foundational knowledge that you have. Right. I, okay, so just to, like, level set with you, I also honestly discovered Dolly, I feel, in my adulthood. Like, I, my mom's side of the family, as I've said before, is, like, all cattle ranchers, like, true cowboys in, like, the West. And so, obviously, Dolly is, like, an omnipotent presence in cowboy culture, definitely in the South. Like, because you're in the West, maybe... I don't know. Maybe, like, I, it didn't, like, touch my family as much as, like, other, like, country, like, singer-songwriters did. But, like, uh, but she is this, like, kind of god figure that was still in the background of my childhood. And I think only until adulthood, when you go back and you look at her catalog and you look at, like, her cultural moon- meaning and, like, what she's accomplished with her, with her life, that was when I was just like, oh, like... I want a Dolly tattoo. Like, I want Dolly... Like, I want to embody Dolly. Like, she's a hero. Like, I just think she's incredible. I, I love her so much. As you do, too, obviously. Um, one of the first things I feel like I latched onto was just, like, how she was a, like, preeminent, like, icon of, like, bimbo culture. Like, before it was cool. Like, yeah, she, I... You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think I understood um, until I really started going down the Dolly rabbit hole that her bimbo-ness was a joke that she was in on. Mm-hmm. I think I always assumed it was something that had been placed on her and that she only sort of begrudgingly engaged with. And then like once I started even paying like the remotest bit of attention, I realized like it wasn't even that she was in on the joke. She was the one making the joke, you know? In, oh, in both, yeah. In both her music, like, the whole Backwoods Barbie persona, and also, like, a lot of her, like, iconic late-night interviews. Like, she's always the one who's talking about how huge her tits are and, like, making these, like, you know, bimbo jokes. And, like, she... And I'm sure part of that is, like, she wants to make the joke first before someone else can make it. But, like, mm-hmm. that means that she's always had all the power. Like, she... Oh, yeah. She controls her own narrative and she monetizes it. Oh, yeah. And I, I felt like it just, it, it clues you into like how shrewd and like smart and strategic she is as a person with all the while making it seem so effortless. Like Dolly's like, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap is like, like everyone, everyone says that now. You know what I mean? It's like this kind of... um these words to live by uh, were in you like don't take yourself too seriously and I think like live in your power in that moment like it's just so incredible and like she's like so whip smart like sh- her jokes are so fucking fast and she's so like so quick like yes talking to her as I have gotten oh, yeah. to do a couple times like she is absolutely 100% like in control on it at all times like so funny, so, like, sharp. Yeah, and, like, in those late-night interviews you're talking about, like, she would be on the receiving end of a boob joke, and then she would knock a joke back that was, like, five times funnier. Like, every time she was funnier than the late-night host, and, like, that to me is, like, part of, like, her magnanimous and why she's, like, transcended time and space 
for decades, right? Like, um, so wait, how much do you know about, like, the Dolly, like, history? Like, do you know, like, I'm sure by going to Dollywood, you kind of get a little bit of a history. Yes, I, I know a little bit. I know, sort. I know, like, the, you know, Tennessee Mountain Home version of, yes. of Dolly's story, which, incidentally, that is my favorite Dolly Parton song. I love in my Tennessee mountain, mountain home. home. Um, so good. Can't wait to get fined for that. <laughs> but I do, yeah, I, like as we, as I talked about um, on our theme park episode with Matt Rogers, which mm. if you haven't listened to it, definitely go listen Great to episode. it. Great episode. It's very fun. Um, I, at Dollywood, there, it is a theme park that like part of part, like, uh, you know, at Disney, MGM is like a theme park about movies, and like mm-hmm. Animal Kingdom is a theme park mm-hmm. about animals, and Dollywood is a theme park about Dolly Parton, and part of it is about creating this like magical, like folktale mythology of Dolly's life. And there is um, a recreation of the Tennessee Mountain Home in the theme park that you can go and look at. So you, and you know, I'm sure it's like somewhat true to life, and I'm sure there's some of it that's like, theme parkized but yeah so i have like a a basic understanding of the legend of dolly parton and like how poor she was like growing up and you know her true rags to riches story i okay yes i need to go to dollywood by the way like i want to go so bad now i really want to go back so let's go because it it truly is like a gay mecca Maybe and someone can bring us. Maybe we can get like the Dolly Tourism Board or something. Yeah, and like the that. the town it's in, Pigeon Forge, is so beautiful. I was there in October, and it was just like the leaves were changing. It was gorgeous, and like it is very cool to see this town that Dolly, you know, by um, buying this theme park and turning it into this like destination, uh, this travel destination. She totally created this, um, you know, like self-sustaining economy in this very poor town that she grew up in and like created so many jobs for people um and it's just like she is she's a fucking superhero she is like over and over again time and time again she's proven that she is so fucking consistent in what she believes in and what she stands for and what she wants to accomplish with her life and i think that you know the tennessee mountain home mythology yes, is a mythology, but, like, her story really is, like, magical. Like, I don't know, anybody who is even remotely interested in the life of Dolly Parton, please go listen to Jada Boomerad's Dolly Parton's America, which is a podcast series that, to me, is one of the best, if not the best, portrait of a celebrity I'd ever seen in any medium. It's, like, or listened to in any medium. It's so fucking good. It is Um, very good. Uh, I didn't listen to the whole. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I listened to most of it because I think it was coming out around the time that I went to Dollywood and interviewed her. So I was very intrigued. Right. It's okay. It's so good. But like, yeah, she. You know, she grew up in this little bunkhouse, and she like shared a bed with like nine people or whatever, and like, you know, was like barely feeding herself through the first years of like her music career, and then. Uh, found a kind of like pairing with what is his name Porter Wagner it's I love that we don't even know like I, I don't even remember remember his fucking name now I need to no, yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure it is Porter Wagner okay so she fi- she finds this kind of like um, creative partnership with 
Porter Wagner that at the time, at the beginning, was not a creative partnership, right? It was like Porter was this country star, and at the time, country stars had, you know, singing gals that came on and sang a song, but they were like an accessory on the stage, right? Like, you have this little country woman. There was this woman named Norma Jean who had sang with him for a while. She quit, I think, because of an affair or something. Enter Dolly, he scouts her, and he's like, you're going to be my singing girl now. And then she, you know, over the course of years, starts to outshine him and becomes kind of the true star of their, like, duet act that becomes, like, renowned and beloved Well, they had a show. It was a TV show. They had a show. They had... Right, right, right. They had... Exactly, exactly. Sorry. So they were on TV all the time and then became, like, the patron saints of, like, the country music world in the very beginning when they, like, started the Country Music Awards and all that stuff. So, like, Dolly has been a part of, like, institutional country music since the beginning in a way that, like, most stars and music stars can't claim, right? Like, she really... And yet she's so humble about it. And the way... That she, I think this is, like, very evident with the thing we were talking about with, like, the boob jokes or, like, um, or just, like, the way, what I'm trying to say is the way she um, overcomes adversity is with so much grace. Like, she will never prioritize, like, you know, she will never, like, want to seem, like, mean or cruel to anyone. Like, she knows her own worth And I think that's evident. But, like, with the Porter Wagner thing, like, she was just like, look, Porter, like, you made me who I am. And I, you know, maybe have you to thank for a lot of my success. But, like, I'm a star. And this is my goodbye. And she famously wrote, like, I will always love you about saying goodbye to Porter Wagner. And And also played it for him and he cried, right? Yes. Isn't that the story? Yes. Famously, she walked into his office and she said. how true that is. I think it's, I think if you think about who Dolly is, I think it's absolutely true. Because she has written, you know, 3,000 songs or whatever. It's just, it's giving glee a little bit that she, like, (laughs) went into his office and sang him this song that made him, like, decide to let her go. But that's the thing that I love about Dolly is she is kind of glee. Like, she is, like, magic. Like, this, like, magical thinking wherein, like, you can break out into song and express your feelings that way. And then at the end, he cries and says, okay, sure, like, you gotta go. Um, You're on your own, kid. You're on your own, kid. Yeah, and she still gave him, I think she gave him the song. Like, she gave him the right, or, like, she gave him a million dollars. There was a settlement. He sued her. She gave him a million dollars. And then when Whitney re-recorded the song... She, like, made that back three times in, like, one year or something like that, just on the rights alone. So, anyways, we should talk a little bit about, like, Dolly Parton, the movie star, because she is a phenomenal movie star. Rose, you've seen 9 to 5. You've seen Best Little Her House in Texas. Yes. And? Love. I love Best Little Her House in Texas. Um, Love Hard Candy Christmas, you know, the song. Oh my um, god, that song is fucking... It's a deep cut. Yeah. It's um, actually like a deep, deep cut from Dolly. And it's um, it's not even really a Christmas song. Yeah. Um, it, I, I love 9 to 5. I actually only watched 9 to 5 for the first time New Year's Eve 2020 going into 2021. Oh, the New whoa. Year's that I spent alone at home, you know, <laughs> when we were in like the, the deepest, darkest pits of... <laughs> Of, like, COVID fear in L.A. Um, So thanks, Dolly, for getting me through that. And also after a full year of, like, understanding crystal clearly that every job sucks and that we as a society should move on from nine-to-five jobs, which was 
the America that Dolly imagined for all all of us. Yes. And nine to five. I mean, you know, like the thing about anything having to do with Dolly and what I love about her is there's always some story that's like been extracted from that that like gets paired with it so like when you think about mm. nine to five you think about like dolly with her nails like click, click, you know, in the nails click, click in the nails and like there's always something like that because she's had this long career in which she's been so deeply intertwined with her own work and and like dolly is a woman who tells her own story uh, so there's you can always like remember some like f- cute or funny or moving little anecdote about anything she's done, and I think that's beautiful. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. I feel like Dolly has always been ahead of her time and is like rarely credited to that. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, like our first impression of Dolly is like huge tits, big wig. And if we don't know anything else about her, we don't know anything else about her. But if you do, you know that like she was writing these kind of um, stories about like women with pregnancies who ruin their lives. Like she was writing songs about suicide and like with nine to five, like this was like, this was like a kind of feminist like feminist, anthem. like anti-capitalist, yeah, like, you know, like that a was girl so, boss anthem. Yes, that was so like on exactly the cusp of like feminism, and she was also like third wave feminism before third wave feminism, where she was just like, yeah, I have tits, and also I can like exercise like any any right I I want as like a woman. God, she's just like always been like that. Like I fucking love. It is, you know, it's hyper-femininity as power, um, as strength. Do you you remember the plot of Best Little Whorehouse of Texas? No. Okay, let me tell you, the plot of this movie is Dolly Parton has 
the best little whorehouse in Texas. She has the best whores. Everyone in town comes to this whorehouse because she provides the best service, the best experience, and there are no pimps here. Like, the men don't control the money. She controls the money, and I think that's so beautiful. The, the plot is basically, like, she's sleeping with the sheriff, which is why the whorehouse is protected in Texas, and all of a sudden, this kind of, like, radical gay purist starts coming for the whorehouse and it's like, this is like, you know, desecrating our town and it can't be here. And the cops fight this radical purist to protect these sex workers. <laughs> Isn't right. that wild? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like cops, like finding corruption in a way that protects sex workers. Like, it's actually so wackadoodle to watch and experience because you're like, this is a fantasy. Um, but it also made me wonder, like, what a modern day <laughs> best little whorehouse in Texas adaptation would look like. I don't, actually, I don't like, know that it could exist today. No, no, I, I think, we, I think one, maybe something in the 80s. Like, I would love to watch a best little whorehouse, but it's like in the 80s. You know what I mean? Like set in the eighties. Set in the eighties, yeah. Okay. Instead of like the like the I don't know when it takes place. Like, like ye 50s, old hee haw yeah, times. Ye old, <laughs> yeah, ye old ye haw times. times. Um, have you? Seen, <laughs> have you have I you, mean, best little whorehouse in Texas is basically <laughs> Westworld. <laughs> Wait, yeah, we should. We need. A, we actually need a Westworld. We need a dystopian best little whorehouse in Texas. We need The Last of Us. <laughs> I mean, that's last... just Westworld. That's just Westworld, yeah. It is. Oh, wait, yeah. I've never seen Westworld, so like, I w- actually wasn't connecting the dots there. Ye old yeehaw times. <laughs> uh, ye old yeehaw times. Speaking of which, have you seen um, Steel Magnolias? So this is, uh, has become a point of contention between my mother and I. I have never seen Steel Magnolias in totality. What? Um, I have seen parts of it. I'm surprised this didn't come up during our Julia Roberts episode. But I, yeah, Wait. I've, never, I've never watched the whole film. I am shook. I'm shook arena. I am Legend of Zelda shook arena of time. I am literally like, I have no. <laughs> that, what the fuck? That fu- was good. That was Thank good. You. I, I literally like, it does feel like such another like canonically Rose movie. And I... But Julia I don't Robert, like, I don't like like a I don't like a sad movie like that, you know. It is too sad. Yeah, Julia Roberts having a seizure and she dies, <laughs> right? I think she dies at the end. Spoiler alert. I actually don't even remember. But the ensemble like Olympia oh, Dukakis, stacked cast. Dolly, Julia, um god, Sally Field, Shirley MacLaine. Oh, god. Um but yeah, I mean I I I think that like what Dolly injects into I think the thing about reboots actually is like what Dolly injects into all three of those movies we talked about like cannot be replicated like there's no woman man anyone that can bring what Dolly brings to any sort of project because she is a once in a lifetime person um not just as not just as this kind of like charismatic, like larger than life, like most memorable person in the room way, but also like she's a genius. Like, I can't remember who said this, but like, but it's like if she was writing classical music, right? If she had written 3,000 classical songs, like we would be calling her Mozart. Like she is mensch level genius. Well, and not and not only is she an an, incre- an incredible, brilliant, show stopping, never, never this, never done before artist. She's incredible at branding and marketing. Like she yes, has, she. I'm 
she literally has a theme park. Like she has created the mythology of herself so incredibly that it has endured through multiple generations. And she is known from, you know, my grandparents to kids who just saw her on Miley's Rockin' New Year's Eve or whatever the fuck it was called. Like, it's not even that she's necessarily had all these different eras in her career. She just, like, has always been there. So even when I, like I said, like, as a child, as a teenager, like, whatever, was not really, like, searching her out, I still had a basic awareness of who she was. Like, I still always knew that I Will Always Love You was a Dolly Parton song. Like, it's just sort of part of our, like, shared cultural unconsciousness, like, who Dolly Parton is. Mm -hmm. Because she's omnipotent. I also think that she was able to represent Oh, God, I hate... This sounds so stupid out of context. But, like, the Deep South is an underrepresented community. Like, they, they, we don't have stories from the Deep South the way we do of other parts of this country. And I feel like what she brought to the culture was something that was based in this, like, extremely hidden part of the world and was able to take that and ta- and make her story the most beloved story in the world, right? Like, when we, right before we were recorded, we were talking about, like, what we would talk about, and Rose was like, are you going to talk about the Q score again? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, fuck. So, like, if you haven't, I always talk about the fucking Q score, which is this thing that's mentioned in the Dolly Parton's America podcast, which is about this weird valuation of celebrities and, like, how liked they are on the world, or rather, how much negative sentiment is around them and who has the least amount of negative sentiment around them, and, like, the two at the top are always like Dolly Parton and Adele um and and I think that that I think as you said her ability to brand herself both strategically and apolitically right because she straddles these two halves of the culture I think is why she's like always going to be relevant like forever and ever um she's able to at least like becoming like Miley's godmother she was able to take her like you know base of like 50 something people that grew up with her in the country to go to millennials and people even younger and all of us understand like her cultural impact and meaning and so now it's like the widest space possible oh god i love her and miley i love that song rainbow land i have no shame i love the malibu album i I think it's so good you it's, famously don't like the Malibu album. Younger, younger Now is not Miley's best effort, <laughs> but there are some good moments on it, and that is one of the better ones. That um, song will make me cry. Like, we I really, We have to get you to Dollywood, because not only is Dollywood incredible, but when I was there, I stayed at the Dollywood Hotel. Ooh. And um, in at the Dollywood Hotel, so like in in the lobby or something, there is a song there that's locked up in a box that Dolly wrote that will be released on her 100th birthday, whether she's uh, alive or dead. Are and you I, kidding I, me? I like, stood and looked at the little box through the window. And oh my God, I have goosebumps. I know. It's so I didn't fu- know that. It's so fucking cool. And there's just <sighs> like the hotel, there's like butterflies everywhere. There's a Dolly <sighs> spa. There's a... Like, everything is Dolly-themed. There's a gift shop where you can buy Dolly stuff. I think I have, like, a fridge magnet that has Dolly on it. Um, 
I have. God. I also, when I was there, I was gifted um, by not Dolly herself, by her team, or maybe she did hand it to me. Um, I have. A oh signed, my god! I have a signed copy of Jolene. <gasps> I'm so jealous. Oh my god! And I got to interview her not once but twice. Yes, wait, tell me, what was your experience? Like, what did you, I mean, to to the effect that you can even describe Dolly Parton, like, it was, I mean, it's incredible. It was really nice that, so, so for context, I interviewed her, um, she had a, a a limited Netflix series, um, called Dolly Parton's, called Dolly Parton's Heartstrings, which which we'll discuss, all these little shows that are each each episode is based on a different Dolly Parton song. Like it's not very good, but because of it, I got to meet Dolly, and it was a it was a pretty long press trip. Um, it was a couple days, and the first thing we did was interview Dolly, which was kind of nice because it was the thing that I was the most stressed out about. So we yeah, got it out of the just way. Get out of the way, yeah. And. Um, I asked her, I don't even remember what I asked her. Maybe like on I'll post the interview on our on the Like a Virgin Instagram. Oh yeah. But she was like very warm, very sweet, like put me right at ease. She, you know, sometimes like I of course I asked questions that were like a little gay, a little like pushing the envelope a bit. And she just like was right there with me. She had an answer Every for everything. Um and then the second time I interviewed her was they were having a premiere for the show at the theater at Dollywood. Um, and there was a red carpet. And so we got to interview her on the red carpet. And um, I, I went to interview her. And so at Dollywood, there's a museum. A, there's a Dolly museum that has a hologram of Dolly. And she like comes in like a fairy and is like, hey, y'all. But they also have... <laughs> All of her looks at the museum, like all of her uh, iconic looks, like looks she's worn in movies. They had costumes from Best Little Horror House in Texas. Um, uh, all of her concert looks, like stage looks. I would looks. cry. I I would physically cry. Yeah, like, I would. So, so when I was interviewing her on the carpet, I was like, "Dolly, we got to go to the museum today," and she was like, "Oh, you would have loved all those clothes." Like she clapped <laughs> me right away. <laughs> She knew. I mean, she knows. She's she been knows. surrounded she by knows. faggots since day one. Um, um, but she was she was amazing. She was very generous with her time to all the journalists that were there. She's super sweet. She's like, looks exactly how you expect her to look. She's very tiny. Her tits are huge. Her hair is huge. She has like crazy long nails. She is covered up from top to bottom. Everything she wears is fucking right. rhinestone. Because she famously has, has like... People say she has like a sleeve of tattoos or whatever, but I know that she is like she doesn't like her tattoos and she covers them up. Mm, and she probably just doesn't like her arms. Oh yeah, are you going full dolly? Are you like long sleeve only from here no, on? Out? No, 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 no. But, <laughs> but um, I also don't like my tattoos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the ex- I I do feel like that is like a life goal mi- mischief managed. I have met Dolly not once but twice, yeah. and I got to like touch her you know she yeah i have touched dolly parton that's crazy to think about like she oh god i okay wait since you brought it up since you brought up heartstrings (laughs) we you're now reminding me that dolly parton and uh, who gave us heartstrings also gave the culture the whole hallway smells like cum which was uttered by a one trixie mattel 
Uh, I was in the room for that moment. Were you in the room for that moment? I don't remember. No, I wasn't. Back, back in the Netflix days, if you haven't seen Trixie and Katya watch Heart, this episode of Heartstrings, it's like the funniest fucking thing. That shit episode I've ever is seen. no longer on the official Netflix YouTube. Right. To, you have it to got watch taken the, down because of like copyright stuff. Yeah, you um, had to you have to watch the you have to watch the bootleg version now. But it but is definitely the most iconic um I like to watch episode for sure. Oh yeah. Trixie sells pillows now that say the whole hallway smells like like um which it does. Um wait, did you see um <laughs> sorry to bring this up slip. Did you see Dolly Parton Christmas her Christmas in the Square? Whatever Christmas the in the Square, yes, I did watch it. Um you know What is it about? It's like a it's 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 about Christine Baranski's <laughs> is like a, a mean, high-powered businesswoman oh, who scroogey. who um, like owns most of the town she grew up in, and she goes back over Christmas. And Dolly Parton's her fairy godmother, I want to say. Okay, um, and you know Christine Baranski like learns life lessons and learns to love again, and like saves the town. And it it is a musical. The music is is. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Christine, I'm sure, is amazing. It's, it'd be Christine, probably... Christine is great. Dolly is great. She's like, at one point, she's very tiny. She's like in the cup holder in Christine Baranzi's car. <laughs> that sounds amazing. That's it's, actually... It's Rose, not, very, it's not Ro- very good. Rose, that, that wasn't movie magic. That's actually how big Dolly Parton is in real life. Like yes, she, you're right. That, was, you're right. <laughs> that is actually... There's oh yeah, no, when I interviewed like, her, I, I held her in my hand. <laughs> yeah, in your palm. You were like, hello, Dolly. Like, Dolly. <laughs> Can you so nice me? to meet you. Yeah, like Julie Roberts, Tinkerbell. Um, okay, I I honestly now want to watch that maybe next Christmas. Will you, maybe I'll get stoned and watch it. It sounds like I, I it think would that's be a solo journey for you. I, <laughs> I don't know that I'll be watching it again. <laughs> I don't know if it's something that ever needs to be revisited. Slide into our DMs and let us know what's your favorite Dolly Parton song, what's your favorite Dolly Parton movie, um, do you identify as um, a Backwoods Barbie, or do you identify as a Backwoods Barb? Um, <laughs> backwoods Barb. Uh, next week it. we'll be back with a new episode, don't know exactly what it is yet, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, until then, connect with us online at Like a Virgin for 2069. I'm your co-host, Rose Damu. You can find me anywhere on the internet at Rose Damu. And I'm Fran Dorado. You can find me at Fran Squishko on any social media. Please leave us um, a rating on Spotify. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter with support from Lindsay Hoffman and Nikki Etor. Until next week. Uh, bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 
CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you.